Welcome to Thoughts on the Market. I'm Sarah Wolf from the U.S. Economics Team. And I'm Simeon Gutman, Hardlines, Broadlines, and Food Retail Analyst. Today on the podcast, we'll discuss what's happening with food prices and how that's affecting the U.S. consumer. It's Tuesday, February 27th at 10 a.m. in New York. It was almost exactly a year ago when I came on this podcast to talk about why eggs cost so much at the start of 2023. Here we are. It's a year later and food in the U.S. still costs more. The overall inflation basket and personal consumption expenditures inflation was 2.6% year over year in December, but dining out prices are still up 5.2%. I'd like to admit that grocery prices are a little bit better. They're just a tad over 1%, so we've seen a little bit more disinflation there. But overall, food is still up and it's still expensive. Simeon, can you give us a little bit more color on what's actually going on here? Yeah, so food prices measured by the CPI, as you mentioned, up about a percent. The good news, Sarah, is that your eggs are actually deflating by about 30% at the moment, so maybe you can buy a couple more eggs. But in general, we're following this descent that we started about almost two years ago where food prices were up double digits. A year ago, we were up mid-single digits, and now we're down to this 1% level. Looks like they're going to hold, but so prices are coming in, but not necessarily deflating, but disinflating. Can you help me understand that a little bit better? You mentioned that some commodity prices are coming down, like food prices. So why is overall inflation for food still rising and dining out, grocery stores, both of them are still seeing price increases? Well, commodity prices, which is the most visible input to a lot of food items, that's coming down in a lot of cases, and I'll mention some that haven't. But there's many other components into food pricing besides the pure commodity. That's labor, you have freight, you have transportation. Those costs, there's still some inflation running through the system, and those costs make up a decent chunk of the total product costs, and that's why we're still seeing prices higher year-over-year on average for the entire group of products. How are grocery sales actually performing, though? Are we seeing demand destruction from the higher pricing, or has unit growth actually been holding up well? First of all, total grocery sales are just slightly negative. We saw a little ray of hope in January, positive for the month, but likely driven by some stocking up ahead of weather events that happened in the country. So we were barely positive. It looked like we were getting out of the negative territory, but the first few weeks of February, we're back into the negative territory, negative one, negative 2%. Units are negative, negative three to 4%. If we look at CPI as sort of a proxy for the product categories that are doing better than others, dairy and fruit units, those are up mid to high single digits. And as I mentioned, we're seeing egg prices down significantly. We're also seeing a lot of deflation with fish and seafood as well as meat. So, and if use that as a way to think about the the various product categories that consumers are, are demanding, but overall industry sales are flat to slightly negative, And we think this negative cadence continues going forward. Sarah, let me turn it to you. You monitor the U.S. consumer closely. How big a bite of the U.S. wallet is food right now? Groceries, eating out at restaurants, et cetera. And how does that compare to prior periods? 
Let's start high level with essential spending, which I consider to be groceries, energy, and shelter. That typically averages about 40% of household disposable income pre-COVID. And now if you add on all the price increases we've seen across all three categories, it's an additional 5% of disposable income today. And this matters a lot when you're a lower income household and already over 90% of your disposable income was going towards these essential categories pre-COVID. If I look at grocery prices alone, they're up 20% on average since the start of the pandemic. And prior to COVID, on a per-household basis, they were spending $4,600 a year on groceries, and now that's $5,700 a year, more than $1,000 more each year on groceries. The last time we saw such extreme food inflation was the 1980s. Granted, I have to mention that we've also seen a really notable rise in disposable income too. So if you look at grocery spending as a share of disposable income, it's only marginally higher than it was pre-COVID. It was 6.5%, now it's 7%. What's really driving higher wallet share towards food is this dining out category. And it's a price and unit story. On the pricing side, we have high labor costs, high food prices still, and on the unit side, there's still a much more notable preference to dine out, to enjoy services. And so you mentioned that unit growth has been a lot weaker for groceries. That's not what we're seeing in the dining out space. And overall, it's been driving total food spend as a share of disposable income to highs since the early 1990s. So food spending is up a lot, but the situation is somewhat confusing. You have U.S. inflation data and forecasts seem to be suggesting that food prices should be coming down. That doesn't seem to be happening. We're still looking for inflation. Can you talk about the macro factors behind these persistently high food prices? So as you mentioned, we have seen disinflation, right? So grocery prices are down from 12% year over year in the summer of 2022 to about 1.5% today. Dining out is down from 8% to about 5%. So there's a bit of progress uh, in inflation growth, but price levels are not coming down. They're still rising, and that definitely does not feel good to households. The reason we're still seeing a rise in prices, as you've mentioned, are supply chain disruptions, there was an avian flu, and we see very high labor costs. Some of the forward-looking indicators are pointing to more progress on inflation for food. So we know that labor costs are starting to moderate as supply demand imbalances in the labor market are getting a bit better. We know that supply chain disruptions have been unwinding, but all these things together are not pointing to price deflation, only disinflation. So growth, but at a slower pace. Yeah. So some of this backdrop continues. When can the U.S. consumer expect some kind of relief? And then what data and indicators are you watching closely? Unfortunately, prices are still going up in our forecast, but they're going to stabilize around one to one and a half percent year over year for groceries. So kind of where we are right now, that's what we expect for the next year and a half or so. But the price levels are going to remain elevated. As I mentioned in the last response, you know, we're watching the supply chain indicators to see if commodity prices start to come up again, if freight costs start to come up again because of geopolitical tensions. We're not seeing any notable rise there yet, but we're watching it very closely. And we're also watching what happens with the labor market. Do we continue to see slack in the labor market that'll bring down wages and bring down labor costs? Or do we continue to run a very tight labor market? Simeon, thanks for taking the time to talk. Great speaking with you, Sarah. And thanks for listening. If you enjoy Thoughts on the Market, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and share the podcast with a friend or colleague today.
The preceding content is informational only and based on information available when created. It is not an offer or solicitation, nor is it tax or legal advice. It does not consider your financial circumstances and objectives and may not be suitable for you.